This is your host, Josh Sharp, and welcome to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we get a chance to talk about what didn't make it into the sermon this week and what our speaker would have liked more time to engage with. We'll also go over some questions that you might have had and generally just have a good time talking about what was on our speaker's mind. Today we're here with Mike and Denise to talk about the sermon, How Can a Loving God Send People to Hell? from our current sermon series, 10 Questions, Exploring Barriers to Our Faith. All right. Well, thanks for being back, uh, Denise and Mike. It's great to have you guys here again and uh, hanging out. Two weeks in a row. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. Wow. You must be desperate, Josh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just back again. I'm looking for all these possible people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's great. Um, uh, in a way, I'm I'm looking forward to, day, to today's topic. In another way, I'm like apprehensive, and it's been interesting to see how I things. I can have relate to out. that, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how are you guys doing outside of that over the last few days? And yeah. Oh man, this week is mega sports camp. Mega, mega, mega sports, mega camp. sports yeah. camp at the church. So. <laughs> Every so evening, soccer, basketball. I'm with the soccer crowd, so yeah. nice. having a lot of fun. I got a group of young kids who are in my huddle group, and let me just tell you, it's a wild time. Wait, you, you gotta you gotta get your team name out there, like. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't know who's gonna be listening to this and what kind of judgments you're gonna have about this team name. But just keep in mind, there's like first and second graders who came up with it. Aww. And uh, the team name is Mega Jolly Grass. <laughs> I love it, dude. I, I thought it was so funny. My, my, <laughs> awesome, Eli was right? like, I don't like it. And Cole's like, I think it's funny. There you go. <laughs> I was like, that was interesting for me, Mega too. Jolly Green Grass or just grass, the green? Mega Jolly Grass. Okay. Yeah. At one point, they did have green in the name. They took it out, and it's Mega Jolly green. Grass. Grass. Sorry. And Sorry. I think adults probably think it's funnier than... Kids think it's silly. Adults yeah. think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, it's it's yeah. It's been a blast of a week as far as that's gone. So we got a few days left and looking, yeah. Look you guys survived the heat last night, or you came indoors? Last yeah, night. we were indoors go last out? night. We're going back out tonight in theory right now. Okay. So yeah. yeah. I think it's supposed to be a cool ninety-one. So you'll be fine. <laughs> Actually, by the time we get out there, closer to eighty, eighty-five, oh. we're going to be yeah. okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little bit released with score guns tonight, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, nice. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening. Our uh, for our listeners, so you guys know out there, this podcast is not for you to be picking up on the sermon here and now. If you haven't listened to the sermon, please go back and do so. This podcast is about picking up where the sermon just didn't have time to go and dive into. Uh, the last sermons we've been doing throughout this series are full of this. <laughs> and uh, so as we get started here, Denise, can you give us a short recap on the series? Yeah, yeah. This series, uh, 10 Hard Questions, or 10 Questions Exploring Barriers to Faith, we formed it. John primarily you know, brought it to us and we gave input too, but just wanted to explore what are the questions, what are the barriers for people that, that keep people from getting an up-close personal uh, experience with Jesus Christ? You know, what, what are the questions that um, maybe they're born out of a misunderstanding, maybe with good reason about Christianity and, and what we teach? But I think if we just name a few of the questions that we've gone over this far, it seems like, you know, doesn't Christianity crush diversity? How can you take the Bible seriously? How can you say there's just one true faith? Does God have a political party? 
big question in today's world. How can a loving God allow so much suffering? Those are, those are just questions that are rattling around for people and kind of keeping them at arm's length from engaging Christianity on a serious uh, basis. So I know I've talked to people with those questions specifically and saying, this is why I can't be a follower of Jesus or why right. I can't believe in a good God. Right. Uh, the one of suffering in particular, that is a massive mm-hmm. one, you know, and people experience significant suffering in their lives and they want to know why, why yeah. did this happen? And right. if there is some greater power that's in control, then how could that power be good and mm-hmm. allow this to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big question for people in the world. It is, and not only yeah. in the world. I think a lot of these questions people within the faith really wrestle and with. That's what I found through this is just the conversations around this series. Even prior to the series, about six months ago, I was having conversations with people that were, oh, that's a really good question. We talked about it. We had a good time. I was like, oh, yeah, this was a great series in that sense. Like, cool. I know people are talking about yeah. this. Yeah, within and outside yeah. of, of the faith, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. really excited about it. Good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, people who are here in the church that, you know, there's maybe a, you know, maybe sometimes we think about it in a more monolithic way. Like we all think and believe the same things, which is certainly not true yeah. at all. And everyone's just in these different spaces and they've had their own experiences. And these questions I think are yeah, very relevant for people who are trying to follow Jesus. Absolutely. Mm. And trying to explain it to their loved ones or friends who don't yet know Jesus. Mm-hmm. So twofold, definitely. Yeah. Um, now, following that up with, here's here's the sermon this last week was, how can a loving God send people to hell? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Denise, you gave that sermon. Can you give us a quick flyby of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was our final question in this series, and I think it wrapped up with some people going, shoot, glad that series is over, <laughs> loved it, but yeah. This was, this was a hard landing, I felt like. It was like. a hard landing, but yeah, anyway. So I tried to take the question and look at it really by asking two more questions. You know, how can a loving God send people to hell? So first of all, who is God? Let's let's talk about what are our images of God. So we you know walk through that. Yeah, and I like then, that. Good. And then uh, also the other question is what is hell? I think some people have no idea. We have a lot of again misunderstandings about what hell is. So I think it's amazing that the dominant image of God for people not only outside the faith, but I find people inside the faith, the dominant Mm -hmm. image is that God is angry and wrathful. And uh, so people either stay away completely or they follow almost with trepidation because that that's just the image that sits there for Mm -hmm. them. So just talk through that, you know, Mike, and we talked about that in the circle on Sunday and then talked about it in the sermon that the most quoted scripture. So just wanted to paint a picture uh, of of, you know, here's what the image can be for a lot of people. God is angry and wrathful, but the Bible teaches a different story. And we looked at Exodus 34, 6 through 7, which is the most repeated verse in Scripture. The yeah. theme of it, I think, is so critical that we grasp this. And I love the one in Exodus, even though it's repeated many times. In Exodus 34, it's where God himself yeah. says, this is who I am you know, to Moses. And he says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So that's certainly the, you know, the Old Testament image. And then Jesus in Luke 15 walks through all those valuable things 
in people's lives that were lost, you know, mm-hmm. the coin, the sheep, then the sun and, and painting the picture each time of something valuable was lost. There was an intense search for that, which was yeah. lost. Yeah. And when found was greatly, uh, celebrated because that, which was lost was restored to life and joy. So that was kind of our first question there. And then we're looking at the second question, what is hell? We walk through some of the the scriptures or the the words that we translate into English as hell were actually literal places on the earth. We looked at, you know, in the Old Testament, the Valley of Nam, that it was a place Israel went to cheat on God, to bow down to other gods, to uh, even sacrifice their own children as other religions of that day did. That was part of the worship of those idols. And that that, uh, in the New Testament, the word Gehenna, also the same location, served at that time in Jesus' day as a city dump. And the only sanitation they had at that time was fire. And so it was always, both Old and New Testament, that location was was smoldering and hot and smoky. It was a, it was not a place anybody wanted to spend much time. Yeah. So, and I think the key there is that God, God never in either of those, God didn't send people to those locations that God did everything he could to redirect and to keep people from going there. But choice people just, that's, they still chose. Yeah. I think that chose that as a destination. Yeah, I think that's such an important aspect of your sermon. I love the way you framed it up with two questions, too. And that, you know, who is God? Mm-hmm. You have to recognize God as good yeah. in order to fully understand the, the question that was being asked anyway. And then, yeah. and then what is hell? And that aspect that God's not out to try and send anybody Mm-mm. to hell. Uh, he's, he's done literally everything, including offering himself for people to have eternal life yeah. with him exactly. forever. Yep. Um, and you know, that, that's where you see, okay, this is the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the picture that we want to paint for people, right? God is good. Um, and this, you know, it's, I think it's really easy. I remember I, I had someone ask me once, um, uh, how can you, how can you, uh, how can you tell me about God um, if I'm going to go to hell, if I don't believe, uh, in God. And, you know, thankfully that brought about a a nice long conversation that I was able to have with this person, but that's why this question's on the list, right? Because this is one that people, this is one that people have to them. If they have that, yeah, a certain image of God, they just don't, don't understand it. You know, I use the quote, the C.S. Lewis quote, which really helped me to say, you know, he says there's only two kinds of people, those to whom say to God, thy will be done. You know, we, we turn our lives over to God and say, I'm following you and thy will be done. And then the other kind of person is the one to whom God says at the end of their life, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you prefer the trash heap, if you prefer the Valley of Hanam, I release you to that. Well, a lot of the time when you were talking about that and even through some of your sermon, it kept bringing me back to the great divorce yeah, over exactly. and over mentally. That, I yeah. would have pulled that into the mix of it too, Josh. But, but John has talked about that book several times. And, yeah. But yeah, another great resource. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And then you would have had to talk about purgatory. So right, uh, right. Uh, I'll save that yeah. one for another time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, another part of to the church's theology over the years, you know, yeah. purgatory, yeah. paradise, where does that all fit in? Oh, for years. I mean, for, 
for centuries, uh, you know, for that to be a core aspect of Of most churches, theology. Yeah. Of of most of all of Christianity. Yes. Um, and I'm guessing, you know, and for a lot of people, uh, here at new hope, um, or other similar churches, that is not at all a part of their theology. Right, right. That was common, but it depends on the background more. I mean, if you came out of Catholicism, that would still be around in some of your thinking. Exactly, especially if you're my age or older and grew up in the Catholic Church, that would definitely ring some bells and be part of, of what they wrestle through. Yeah. Are there bells in purgatory? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's ask somebody who grew up Catholic. All right, all right. Enough about purgatory because okay. that's a whole another. <laughs> that's line. a big one. Yep. <laughs> all right, so uh, that's that's all great. One of the things before you before we move on a little bit, um, I was just thinking like we have these. I, I guess I'll say characters of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get a sense of, and maybe both of you, a sense of where those kind of started historically, like? The, the, the characters we now have, and you brought some of them up during your sermon, um, are, are fairly extreme. And, and mm-hmm. at some point, I'm like, yeah, I get the idea that we want to be like, yeah, this is not a place you want to be. This is the point of it. But we got stuck, I guess, on the facts is the best way I could put it. And I was thinking of like The Simpsons or even like Family Guy. Like all of them do these weird depictions of hell and these crazy things. And I thought of Dante's Inferno being yeah. one of the big ones historically, media-wise. Exactly. To really put forth an idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you're right. So literature certainly has helped shape our thoughts on the reality of hell. Uh, a lot of it fiction yeah, have, yeah. have shaped that. And yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Simpsons. I think cartoons, I can think of, of comic books, you know, looking at as a child with, you know, the devil with a pitchfork mm-hmm. and pointy horns. And so yeah, Mike, where do you think we got some of those images from. Yeah, I think it is a lot of, you know, what 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 was happening probably, uh, I shouldn't even comment on this. I'm not an expert, but I think it has to do <laughs> with things like Dante's Inferno. We're talking about, you know, things that are, that took place hundred, uh, hundreds of years mm-hmm. ago in Western civilization, including art. So you've got yeah. like, uh-huh. uh, yeah. you know, art uh, that is depicting all the the flames, right? And I don't know, you know, how many depictions of the of the devil there are. Although, can I? This is going to be an aside for the podcast here. <laughs> Have you all ever been up to Leavenworth, Washington? Yes. And do you know about this German tradition? Oh, what's it called? Instead of Santa at Christmas, there's like this. Krampus is it Krampus, is Krampus one? Yeah, yeah it's I Krampus. Do know about this. Yes, it's like exactly. a horror movie that came out it's holiday season, like three. Very years ago. much <laughs> a demonic-looking figure yeah. that comes to steal naughty children yeah. away. Yeah, uh, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. But in Leavenworth, they actually do, do like it? a people <laughs> yeah, dress up. Like <laughs> Knock on your door. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, take this one. <laughs> so maybe we blame it on Krampus. Is that where it started? I don't know. <laughs> That's an interesting point because that dates back really far. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah, I don't yeah, know the yeah. history of it. Now, Denise, uh, with uh, trying to bring us back from Dante's Inferno and everything here. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what hit? Yeah, Krampus. Wow, we wow. <laughs> um, all right, so what hit the cutting room floor this last week? You know, there are lots of uh, things in the resources that I mentioned in the sermon but didn't cover, such as Rebecca McLaughlin's book. I thought her chapter 
her book, Confronting Christianity, that we recommended for this series. If you haven't read her chapter on this topic, I really recommend it. I think it's one of the most beautiful in the book. It's one of the best in the book, and it's just a beautiful look at at a really hard topic. She uh, looks at um, the whole the whole idea that I forget the name of the the one author she mentions who writes on moral agency that that we cannot be responsible for anything. That how could God judge anyone? And she really kind of goes through that really well, looking at moral responsibility hmm. that all humans have just as being human. And she brings up some really relevant to our day and our time, some situations such as uh, Larry Nasser, you know, the, mm-hmm. the gymnast uh, doctor who abused so many young women. Mm. And she talks about how his the, the accuser, Rachel Denhollander, um, she's the one who held him to account. And she's a Christian and how she, in her powerful testimony in the courtroom, held him accountable and at the same time encouraged him to turn to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, for full forgiveness. So, so wow. I really recommend Rebecca's chapter on this. Uh, Tim Keller, he's such a logical <laughs> thinker and presenter, yeah. always accessible though at the same time. So I think that he appeals to, uh, to people who just like that really logical approach to life and to this topic. And so he's got a good chapter in reason for God that, um, yeah, that he dissects what it means, what it looks, would look like. We think we want a God who does not judge, does not get angry, and he kind of just dissects that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take long to scratch the surface of that to you before we realize that is not a kind of God that we would appreciate or that we would really want. Mm-hmm. And so take a look at that. That And then, John, I, I want to mention that Mikey and I talked about last week, or I don't know, that it, the church has gone silent in so many cases on this topic. You know, we, we, I think I mentioned that Sunday when I was growing up, it was a lot of hellfire and brimstone sermons. Yeah, yeah. And then we all, we just kind of saw the, that that was no, not effective or it was no longer. I think it has been effective. I think God could absolutely use that. So don't, don't hear that. But we, we, the pendulum swung, swung the kind of the other way that we yeah. wanted to make sure that we weren't terrifying people uh, or having faith or fear be the main reason that people uh, step into a relationship with Christ. But anyway, John preached on hell since he's been in mm. New Hope, and I just wanted to say that you can, so a resource for people, I think it's always good to know what your lead pastor <laughs> says on a topic. So I looked it back up, November 8th, 2015. Hmm. Uh, he preached on this same question on this topic. I was like, early, that he was new Just to New Hope. Yeah. New. What was he thinking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is before my time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody said, "Well, I don't know if John has the courage to preach on hell." I said, "He did preach on it, and then he trusted me with it." That's he's definitely courageous. Yeah, <laughs> so he is a yeah. great speaker. So I recommended recommend that as a resource. And so there's just a lot of good things out there. Mike, maybe you have some resources. Well, I, I was going to say that you know you you talked about just a moment ago. You had mentioned kind of that uh, aspect of moral accountability yeah. that's there, and I think that that's a really big part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Not not only for this conversation specifically, but in our uh, in our faith, 
there's got to be a recognition of who we are as humans. Yeah. Um, and there's good in that because we are made in the image of God. And there's evil in that too. Yeah. Um, you know, we have all collectively turned away from God and we have actually abandoned the image of God. So yes, there are aspects for all of us that are the image of God, but none of us actually fully live that out. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to be the true image of God, right? And now we're being formed into his image, but there has to be this recognition for, for, from ourselves when we're coming to faith in Christ that it is an act of repentance, that it is an act of recognizing that I have been a part of humanity, which is collectively turned away from God, that yeah. I myself have turned away from God, and now I'm turning toward God because I need him. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a, you know, I think in our society right now overall, there's a sense of, um, uh, how do I want to phrase this? You know, certainly we have moved away from fire and brimstone preaching, right, right. over the decades. Right. Which, again, like you said, that was used in its own way by God at mm -hmm. a certain time, mm -hmm. and it's and, and things changed, and, you know, in terms of how how uh, the gospel was communicated. And I think there there's good in that as well. Um, but there's a, there's this aspect in our society right now where uh, everyone and everything has to be accepted um, as it is, and that's a hard thing then within the context of our society to actually look at ourselves and say. I'm acceptable to God because of Jesus. Yeah. That's, the, that's the way that I am acceptable to God. And I love the way that uh, C.S. Lewis puts this in The Problem of Pain. He says, you are, when you are in Jesus, you are loved completely by God. Therefore, he's in the process of making you lovable. Mm, <laughs> that's good. You know, both of those things exist, right? right God right. loved the world in this way mm -hmm. that he gave his mm -hmm. one and only son mm -hmm. that whoever should believe in him should have eternal life. Mm -hmm. uh, Not perish and have right. eternal life. Yeah, The love is there. That's why the action was made. Um, but we weren't actually all, all that lovable on our own. It's because of God yep. that we are loved. Yeah. 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 Now, Denise, you brought up towards the end of your message, um, you, you talked about a, a theological understanding about hell and, and something that's, uh, I shouldn't say is recently coming up because it's, it's one of those things that's been in Christianity throughout the ages mm -hmm. and there's ebb and flows to a lot of our theologies throughout the ages and this is one of them, mm -hmm. um, annihilationism or conditional Im, uh, immortality. Um, if you could talk a little more about that. It's a big one. It is, Josh. And I, um, you know, I think for me, it was not something that I, I don't remember studying a theology on hell in college, Bible college, or in seminary. Okay. So it. Yeah, it, I'm with you on that one. Okay, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think you did, Mike. You, it was something that mm -hmm. your seminary professors saw too that you explored and read about and discussed but for me it was probably it really came through I don't know 10-15 years ago I just began to pay attention to any article written by N.T. Wright or you know grab mm. you know a book you know I love his uh, Simply Good News and 
different things. But anytime I saw an article in Christianity Today or The Plow, I'd grab it and, and, and read it. And one of the online, and I would print his articles that I'd read online, and then I realized I could save them in different ways. So I'm saving the environment now. But I was funny preparing for this um, sermon. I pulled out that notebook of N.T. Wright articles, and there was uh, one he wrote in 2012, or it was taken from uh, in 2012, he, an article taken from Rethinking Heaven, the Resurrection, and the Mission of the Church, and the article was called on N.T. Wright on Final Judgment, and that was my first, so back in 2012, my first introduction to scriptures that look at the fact that immortality, that humans are not immortal, and it was kind of one of those moments when I went, oh my word, you know, of course, there we're not, that's, uh, that's, we see that in Genesis, when when Adam and Eve made the choices they made, God removed them that they might not eat from the tree of life and become immortal. And in the New Testament, we read a lot of scriptures that talk about um, immortality being a gift, yeah. you know, eternal life, like the one you just quoted, John three sixteen. Which says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That contrast between eternal life or, or perishing. Yes, yeah. or, or that we receive, that those who believe receive eternal life, meaning, that, and so some of the scholars that look at this would hold that up to say it's a gift where we you have to, when you believe in Jesus, he transforms you, gives you, builds that image, reforms that image, and you become part of, of eternity, of, of yeah. an eternal existence. I love what, um, you know, questions like this, the, like the one that you tackled uh, this last Sunday, I think are so good for us because they cause us to actually think about things that maybe we've never given any real serious thought to mm-hmm. before. Some people certainly have. I, um, I know that there are people in the church here, people who are listening maybe who have given thought to what is hell and yes. what is that like and, you know, all the, all the different aspects of, uh, you know, that could be discussed there. Um, but I remember, you know, you mentioned that this was uh, part of my seminary, you know, yeah. was actually trying to work through this question. I was in a cohort, so for four years in seminary with the same group of pastors. And we were a couple of years into seminary, and I realized that some of the people that I was in this cohort with, that their churches taught uh, annihilism. and Which is the same, right? This yeah, the, really... the conditional immortality. Right. Well, yes, they're, they're, they're similar and they overlap. Okay. I would say there, you know, there maybe are some slight differences here. But there, um, but I just remember at that time in seminary, you know, I was just like, "What in the world? Are you seriously?" <laughs> that and, was my first reaction. Yeah, right, yeah. But when I actually reflected on it for a little bit, I realized I had never given any serious study or thought to the nature of hell ever. Um, I had always just assumed mm-hmm. the things that had been handed down to me, which was very little. So whatever understanding I had of hell, 
was not thoughtful in, for myself. I'm sure it was thoughtful for the people who handed it down to me, hopefully. Yeah. But it, but it was also very minimal. And so it caused me to actually just go, oh, okay, this is something I need to study. Yeah. And I need to think about because it is really important. Um, and, you know, embarrassingly, I just had not up to that point given it the kind of thought and consideration that it really, that it really needed. I agree with you that, and I would say that's my journey too. I just accepted, and and it is a, you know the traditional view of hell is, and you're you're exactly right, Josh. It has you know kind of ebbed and flowed. What writers have written about where the church has really landed on you know a, a, a certain topic in this, but my you know the thing I wanted to stress on Sunday, and the thing that finally got a hold of me to say pay attention here, at least give this fair thought, was the fact that. Um, so many New Testament scholars that have walked this out, they were trying to do justice to Scripture. It was not a, it was, they weren't doing justice to a sentiment, you know, oh, let's, let's soften hell in any way. But really taking a renewed look at, the, I think it's 264 passages that talk about eternal punishment and eternal life, and they looked at those through the original languages, through writings from the very first century forward, dug in um, to the scriptures, and presented then, like N.T. Wright does, that this is a very legitimate possible understanding of what happens um, at death for the non-believer and the believer as well. So I think there's some aspect, too, if I could jump uh-huh, in. Please do. You know, that there's... Um, if you, I want to just kind of remove the aspect of hell specifically okay. from the, the, the conversation. The mortality, immortality piece. I, I don't know what hell is like. I don't know what the duration of that is. I don't know those things. Um, but I think for looking at just conditional immortality, that is an extremely biblical view. Just like you said, you know, we were removed, Adam and Eve, humanity, removed from the Garden of Eden. Why? Because we had just turned away from God, abandoned, abandoned the image of God, and God said, they cannot eat from the tree of life in this state. Removed from the Garden of Eden so that we didn't have access to the tree of life. And then coming back to the end of the story in Revelation then, those people who are written in the book of life, they, go, they return to the tree of life. They have eternal mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. there with God. Mm-hmm. But this aspect, uh, you have to kind of look at, like, where do these ideas come from? And this aspect of having uh, an, an eternal soul or an immortal soul is a very platonic view. You know, this is like Greek philosophy, Platonism, yeah. being handed down to the church through Augustine, mm-hmm. who I, I love reading Augustine. Right, right. Brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, but this was one for him in particular. For Augustine, it was like the, the soul is eternal. And so it has to go somewhere eternally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that became the dominant view after Augustine. But He's coming from a Greek philosophical perspective into his Christianity. He's bringing that in. So you have to consider that. Like, where does this idea of an eternal soul come from? Because in the Bible, 
The Bible doesn't talk about Mm-mm. eternal souls in that in that way. Mm-hmm. We only have eternal life when we have access to the tree of life. And we have access to that now through Jesus. That is our eternal that is our then, eternal life. Going back to your when God removed Adam and Eve away from that tree of life, it was it was a merciful act. You know, that he did not want them to exist in that state, in that in that fallen state forever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the things I want to make clear, though, because this question came to me um, after Sunday, just I want to make clear that New Hope leadership that we do, and I'm not trying to speak for anybody else, but my understanding for me personally and my understanding of other people in leadership, we absolutely believe that Scripture teaches that hell is a literal place, that uh, that it is a, a it is a place of containment where, where God, like, you know, kind of talked on Sunday that sin can be contained here. You can come no more. He sets a boundary. That's, that's where it is. It's a literal place. It's one of great anguish and where God releases people to their choice of, of unbelief. I basically brought up, you know, conditional immortality with this message because I was addressing the question, what is hell? I don't have any agenda in bringing that up, but just to kind of get mm-hmm. people that say, here's scholarship on this piece. You know, this is... Yeah, a, and if it's recent scholarship, they're going to come across it at some point. They are. They're, people yeah. are. People yeah. have talked to me about it. I hear about it. You know, if there's in podcasts or, or reading books, it's just out there. And I think we should have a conversation. Here's what I don't think the church should do. I don't think we should spend, you know, a lot of time deciding which one it is. Is it... The, you know, is it uh, eternal conscious torment, as Mike even introduced that term to me? That's a, yeah, that is, you is know, when in the debate, from, yeah, you have that. that, that you have this <laughs> yeah. eternal conscious awareness of torment forever and ever that never ends. Yep. You know, is it that, or is it this slow, miserable decline from being the humans that we were created to be to the point where we no longer exist? Whichever one that is, we don't need to spend a lot of time thinking about which one, because what, what the church is just called to do is share the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to lift up Jesus. God's, God's got that one covered. You know, which is it? We can all have an opinion on. But for me, and maybe you guys can uh, share what you think, I think that's a secondary issue. What eternity in hell, or what hell looks like. You know, what is hell? Well, here's some, here are some things that scholars that I know me personally, at least in Mike, I think you've read scholars that you trust on that topic too. I mean, to say that for sure that the Bible does not teach that souls are just automatically eternal. Right. right? Yeah. So then, you know, that's like if, if eternal conscious torment is the option, then God has to explicitly make that the option in a in a way that isn't expressed in the Bible in specifically, right. and that's God's choice. I mean, I'll leave that to God yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. But you know, to get what to to get back to what you're saying about the uh, you said to understand exactly what hell is like mm-hmm. is a secondary issue. Mm-hmm. And I think to some, yeah, it has to be because there's so little in the Bible exactly. about hell, right? Yeah. It's not like you can, it's not like it's expressed over and over yeah. again. And, and in descriptive terms, there are meta, you know, the, there are these like, there's metaphorical language around it. That aspect of, you know, the, the being, uh, 
uh, you know, fire. Uh, there's like the lake of fire in uh, Revelation 20. Um, is that literally a lake of fire? I don't know. But is it something that is a literal place that is a very terrible place? Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think it's the church's calling and job to to lift up Jesus, to do what we try to do at this series, which is take down barriers for people who who can take another step closer to exploring Christianity with us. And I think one of the barriers, and we didn't really talk about this, maybe off and on we do, but one of the barriers is certainty. When Christians are so certain on every single thing hmm. that there's no room for anybody to have a, a varying opinion. Yeah, um, and I've always felt like growing up in the church and everything. The more I, the, the older I get, the more I'm afraid of dogmatic statements. Yes, agreed. Um, there's definitely places for them. Right. But on those essentials, like, but the essentials are they're, are few. They're, yeah, they're they're a lot more fine point than people like to think about, and and I get hermeneutics questions coming up and stuff coming up out of that, which I think is fair and valid, but I think it's still, it's open-handed, like you were getting at with with this concept of what does happen after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's an open-handed thing. The Bible wasn't really interested in telling us that complete story. It's just saying you need Jesus. Yes. You need life. Yes. Like, and here's how to get that. Right, right. Hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Josh doesn't like dogmatic, so I guess that means he's not a dog person. <laughs> See, should we talk about dog and cat theology? That's me then? and you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I, what I hear generally too, and, and for the listeners, just to repeat, yeah, the idea of um, uh, conditional immortality, um, annihilation, wherever you land on your feelings on this, we would, I, I think, pretty easily say as I look at these guys, like this is an open-handed issue in this conversation. What's mm-hmm. not... Uh, we agree, you know, as as a staff and as sitting here, hell is a place. Correct. Beyond that, we <laughs> might be a little more interesting conversation. And that we rely on scripture to be our, our guide in, yeah. in the Christian faith. And so hear that piece, too. That was so important to me that these scholars based what they presented on, on scripture, on yeah. original language, on language of tradition throughout the years of the church. I also, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm looking at a scholar, I not only want to know their scholarship, I want to know their life. You know, mm-hmm. how, how have they lived their lives? You know, uh, are, they, are they a faithful spouse? Have they, you know, lived life with a high degree of integrity? So... Those are just some things that are important to me when I when I listen to voices on different topics. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, um, we haven't had enough direct questions for you today. So, my thought process that, that's was fine. Here. You don't have to <laughs> ask any direct <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this, and Denise and I were raised in church ultimately. But I know history. Your history it. That wasn't the case exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was curious what your image of hell that you grew up with was and possibly even how that shifted when you came to knowing about Jesus and, and yeah, that whole process, I guess. Yeah, that's a really, yeah, it's a good question. Actually, it relates, uh, so I just, okay, I had this thought here recently, so I'm going to tie it into the response on this. The I think, I was trying to think back to my childhood, uh, Growing up and even, 
you know, any time before I had any exposure to Jesus and then before really coming to faith at 25. And I don't think, I think I had what is a very popular view of hell. Mm -hmm. And I think you even mentioned the Simpsons earlier, Josh. (laughs) And I can, I, uh, this this proves that I didn't grow up in the church because I grew up watching The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> and so many people I talked to I in the church, you, like, uh, I talk I about The Simpsons. A little bit, little okay, bit. I remember my dad's an ex-cop, too. It was a weird oh. life for me. Uh, <laughs> I watched a lot of Simpsons, and uh, there is they there's a kind of a standard cliche devil character in The Simpsons, and He's kind of he's kind of goofy. There's a couple different depictions of him. Uh, sometimes he actually even looks like Ned Flanders, if you know who that is. <laughs> but he's 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 kind of goofy. But it's very much like he's the red devil with horns and a pitchfork, and there's flames all around him. He's like in a yeah, cave, yeah. and there's you know there are just flames all around him. Very kind of standard view which I think was probably always in my mind anytime I had any concept of hell prior to, to coming to faith. But that what is interesting about that, conversely, is that I also probably had any conception of heaven as a place in the clouds, a place that's in mm-hmm. the sky, yep. right? Same. You've right. got someone who's playing a harp up on a cloud, and that's how they're spending their eternity. You know, they're strumming this little three or four string right. mini, mini harp. There's probably yeah. some sort of name for that instrument that isn't harp but is that the loot is that what that thing is? so when i came to faith in jesus uh and as i began to learn more and be started reading the bible and i just started in matthew and i just read through the new testament and then then uh, I hadn't even read through uh, all the Bible. I hadn't read through almost any of the Old Testament when I started going to Multnomah uh, Bible College. And so it was like everything. Wow. My eyes were just opening up to yeah. so many things yeah. during that time. But my view of heaven drastically changed over the course of mm. Bible College mm-hmm. and seminary. And, you know, the where is the place of heaven mm-hmm. and what is that mm-hmm. like? And it is certainly not up in the clouds, uh, you know, where we're going to play our harps and relax on fluffiness uh, or <laughs> I anything. I like fluffiness, but yeah. <laughs> I do too. Come on, Mike, don't take that away from me. A fluffy yeah. cloud? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Heaven is a, heaven is a very literal place, yeah. but, it, but it's not that place up in the clouds. Um, so I also want to be, I want to continue to study and to learn, okay, what about hell? In what ways is the devil pitchfork in a cave full of fire uh, a view that is not informed by scripture yeah. in terms of what hell yeah. is like? Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that, Mike. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. I was thinking you while you were talking about the Simpsons, it made me think of Futurama and the the robot devil. <laughs> I don't know if I've, I've seen Futurama, but I don't remember. That one, that's the one I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> But I was always thinking about it too, because like hell is always, as far as I've seen depicted, it's always below, and there's some reasons for that. Uh, I think that came up a few sermons ago, um, and mm-hmm. this this idea of heaven being in the clouds is pretty common as well, mm-hmm. um, and it's just kind of interesting. I don't think I don't think I grew up with so much thought process to that, but your your concept of like the devil pitchfork thing, mm-hmm. I remember coloring pictures. Same, right? Like oh. in yeah. church of like that, I that look. I yeah, I can totally remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So 
That's uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Coloring <laughs> pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I had a weird life. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all, one way or another? So, Mike, did that, you know, Josh asked you about your image of hell prior mm. to knowing Jesus. What about your image of God? What did you grow up with, you know, thinking of, of God as? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I had much of a concept of God that was defined uh, in, in any way. But I do think that there was always some sense of something greater Mm. and out there, Um, but without any definition or without any understanding. If anything, it's probably, you know, me at that time making uh, my own image of God. You know, what is, what is God like? Well, probably thinks a little bit like I do and (laughs) feels similar to me sometimes. (laughs) And, uh, Yeah, that was, you know, then uh, in my teens, um, I had an experience in the Catholic Church for a while. Um, And so, but I never read the Bible. So there I had now this name of Jesus, Mm -hmm. but again, no real definition of who Jesus is. So I'm, I'm making him also in my image, you know, Jesus is going to be like me in some way, because certainly he thinks like me, right? And <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm being a little facetious, but God in our image, uh, yeah, yeah, it's we all do it from we time do. to time, anyway, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, eventually Jesus became king. Yeah, I saw him as king when I was okay. 25, and that's when I started reading the Bible, and and will continue to read it. Um, God willing, for the rest of my life, yeah. pouring yeah. over it again and again and mm-hmm. again, never hopefully feeling like I have mastered it, um, or that, uh, yeah, hopefully with always a posture of being, sitting at it, beneath it, mm-hmm. studying it, mm-hmm. ready Learning. to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, both of you, for joining us here today. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed as well. Um, we will catch up with you next time. Denise, would you pray us out? Absolutely. Our loving God, we just want to, we're aware of your presence with us at all times, and we're so thankful. We thank you for what scripture teaches us, that you are that loving, faithful presence in our lives who receive us back and back. You um, forgive us. You've made a way for us. You've invited us home. And I pray that anyone listening to this message would just be led to open open scripture and, and do their own study. We trust you with the big things, and we ask that you would help us to be faithful with the things that you have called us to. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to New Hope's Cutting Room Floor Podcast. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check out newhopepdx.org to get to know us more.